Welcome to Chucked. It is uh, another cold Tuesday morning, and speaking of cold, I apologize to our listeners. I have a bit of a head cold. I've been battling for the past three and a half months, it seems like, and uh, finally got on amoxicillin and mm. braved the uh, the catastrophe that is the little clinic sometimes and Walgreens, and uh, and found and they they found my prescription. It always amazes me when you go into Wal. God forbid a, a pharmacist loses their car keys or their phones because you go into a pharmacist and they never can find. Oh, we, I'm sorry, we can't find it. And they're you know they're digging through the alphabet and yeah. what, what's what's the last name M C? Well, I'm looking through the M's and the D's and I just can't find it. They never can find it. It's amazing. Yeah. They can never find it. Well, um, these are the people mixing our drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But you know you got to go to and school six years, taking for that. all of our money. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, I, I, when you did the little opening there, I couldn't help but think of Groundhog Day. Good morning, campers. It's <laughs> cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then Sonny and Cher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Sonny and Cher. Yeah. I don't. Put your little hand in mine. <laughs> I was just thinking of Groundhog Day yesterday. Uh, Joe Boyd had told me that uh, that new show, Russian Doll, is really good. And it's about, uh, it's a Groundhog Day scenario, basically. This girl can't stop. Uh, waking up in the, at the same party or something uh, huh. each each night, but uh, so I'll check that out. Brilliant. So, but, uh, what you got for us today? Today, there's a AC. new. Well, it's, a, it's a it's another another Tuesday and another uh, Catholic Church scandal, a new one, a new one, new one. I know you said a while back, you know, this was something to to talk about. I mean, there was obviously the um, spotlight, the child abuse scandals. There is the. Um, it, more recently, just the more the, the talk of the abuse against nuns. This one's different. This one is a article that I saw this morning. Um, I didn't really didn't want to talk, talk about Jesse Smollett. That that I just don't mm. talk about that. That's another hot topic. But um, yeah. didn't want to talk about that. Uh, so the New York Times has an article that came out this morning that uh, the Vatican secret rules for Catholic priests who have children. Vincent Doyle, a psychotherapist in Ireland, was 28 when he learned from his mother that his Roman Catholic priest he had always known as his godfather was, in truth, his biological father. The discovery led him to create a global support group to help children. Like him, suffering from internalized shame that comes from being born from church scandal. When he pressed the bishops to acknowledge these children, some church leaders told him that he was the product of the rarest transgressions. But one bishop... Archbishop finally showed him what he was looking for, a document of Vatican guidelines for how to deal with priests who father children, proof that he was hardly alone. Oh my gosh, this is the answer, Doyle recalled, having said as he held the document. He asked if he could have a copy, but the Archbishop said no, it was a secret. Now the Vatican has confirmed, apparently for the first time, that its department overseeing the world's priests has a general guideline general guidelines for what to do when clerics break celibacy vows and father children. I can confirm that these guidelines exist, the Vatican spokesman Alessandro Gassati wrote in response to a query of the New York Times. It is an internal document. The issue is becoming harder to ignore. It's the next scandal, Mr. Doyle said. There are kids everywhere. Mm. Later on, the article goes on into more detail, I believe... Some estimate, Doyle estimates that 50,000 kids uh, in 175 what? different countries. 
and uh, hence he started a support group for it. And uh, yeah, hmm. so that's that's pretty. That was pretty wild. That's a, another layer of of abuse. Obviously, maybe not as violent as um, sexual abuse. Although some of those children may have been fathered through that, but just as uh, evil because there's a such a level of abandonment there. Yeah, and obviously the shame that comes from. Your whole life being a secret. And wow, that makes me nauseous just to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned this past weekend about the story. The one time I was sitting in the office before Sunday morning, and I noticed I had spilled blood on my white collar. And uh, I, I saw the whiteout sitting there, and so I thought, hmm, I should take the whiteout to that and see what happens. It doesn't work. Whiteout does not blot out blood. Mm. Just the blood emerged through it, or you try to paint over... Um, you know, splotches on a wall that are there because of um, what? Well, where am I looking for the? You know, you, people try to paint over uh, oil sp- oil spills mark, yeah. and and uh, you know, you know, wet water stains. It doesn't work. It it comes through, and mm-hmm. the more the church tries to cover up, the more it comes through. Mm. You know, my initial, initial take on that is I, I'm still coming off of the weekend and where I used that verse from 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another, authentic mm-hmm. community. And I think of that when you were reading, because here is the institution that's known for the confessional booth. Mm-hmm. which emerged from verses such as 1 John 1, 9, but then became institutionalized, right? You can only do it. You can only be absolved if you do it before a church-ordained priest, which is not the point of it at all. The point of 1 John 1, 9 is a community of people who are living in, in like, open, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. authentic. Yeah. We, we, li- we, we, we live in a... And a confessionary culture, it, it, we live in freedom because mm-hmm. we're not trying to white out or paint over our sin. And that's what I think of when you read that is the flaw of the church to to try to manage the image and to manage mm-hmm. to manage sin. You know, Dallas Willard's famous comment about reducing the gospel to sin management. Yeah, and uh, no wonder they they believe they achieve works or salvation through works. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to try to self atone for. They're, they're, it makes me think of the, this. The another another uh, as we've talked the uh, this there's a great documentary I watched and it made in the most there's a lot of interesting things that went on in the documentary called the Father of Lights I think and but one of the themes throughout it is the. Uh, this, this this spirit of religion, this um, torment that that evil has has wielded uh, this this weapon evil has wielded called religion to torment people mm-hmm. to not so much oppose light but to mask as light to yeah as an use the power of religion to destroy mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and then that's that's a lot of people can attest to that obviously fifty thousand kids. Um, when we were 
Jordan wanted me to write uh, it, a backstory for a number of the characters for Unexpected and um, Christmas Show, and so I did, and uh, and just you know these short stories of of maybe where they had come from, and one of them for uh, was for Fallen, the the uh, Satan character, the adversary character, and his backstory was that he was. Um, his name was uh, Lucian Hart, and in his spare time, when he was not being the uh, being the adversary of the spiritual realm and the devil, he was a uh, pastor at a Baptist church in Bovina, Texas, mm. and very small town, West Texas, um, outside of Lubbock, and. Uh, he just threw... Is there a Bovina, Texas? There actually is a Bovina, Texas, okay. yeah. I know there's a Spur, Texas, southwest of mm-hmm. Lubbock, but... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's just outside of Lubbock, and uh, it's this old, oppressed town, little Baptist church that he works at there, about 50 um, congregants, and uh, he uses his uh, his his, his uh, clerical title as a, as a means to um, abuse and uh, live with his daughter. Anyway... Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole backstory about that's what he does in his spare time when he's not uh, necessarily on the job. He uh, manifests as a as a little little preacher in a small Baptist town. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but well, you know, when you say that, it makes me think of the Devil in Pew Seven. Have you read that? It's a hur- it's just a it's a shocking story of of um, a girl whose dad was a pastor in a Baptist church, but the, a guy who had it out for him, you know, he just had it out for him. So it was the other role was he wasn't a clergyman, but the mm-hmm. guy was a, like an elder or a deacon in the church and just mm-hmm. evil, you know? Mm-hmm. And so evil, uh, there, I, I, I empathize when people like Christopher Hitchens and that ilk who say that religion is a poison that needs to be eliminated from the world. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. The good news is Jesus came to eliminate religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he was the consummation of all the law that created religion. So yeah, that's the good news. Like I don't disagree with that because, wow, you want to manipulate and destroy people? Use the threat of religion, mm-hmm. and you you have a hammer. You have a hammer to wield that is crushing, um, and and that's why. You know, we we've been studying the Enneagram, and one of the things the Enneagram is a spiritual tool of nine nine. Would you call it personality types? Is is I think so? Yeah. Is that the right term? We're actually going to use it to help our church understand the the journey back to you, right? With God's help, you know, Sir and Kierkegaard said, "Now with God's help, I shall become myself." And uh, we're going to use that later this year for that. And I've been studying the the one that's mine. Uh, as I don't want to say it right now, but the one that I am off the charts is it has a it has a real passion, and it's helped me understand. It has a real passion for detecting inauthenticity, and in, and it helped me understand why I can so easily go toward an anger toward that kind of religious inauthenticity. Mm -hmm. And yet, my personality type can, can, that's that, if I'm operating in 
unhealth, that's that I can be that too. I could be deceitful to play a role and then think that that role is me. So I understand it on one level because the the fallen part of me, if I allowed that part of me to go, I could I could disintegrate as an individual and and live a false life. It could happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why I detest inauthent- religious inauthenticity. It's also the reason it, reason it helped me understand why I need to be in community where I can just totally be myself and sin and all. So this past weekend, I don't think you heard the message this weekend, but I, I talked this weekend about when I started my inventory, you know, the one of the things I realized was the shame of dropping a six-week-old puppy in a stream when I was six years old. It was part of my inventory of just things that had stuck to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the symbiote of Venom. Venom you know, mm-hmm. I'm using that. I always think of that imagery of the Spider-Man character Venom, who's just the symbiote, this alien that attaches mm-hmm. to Eddie Brock's body. And that had been that had been part of the shame that I had carried. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to be in a community where I can share that in the context is really important for my wiring, but it's also important for my role in leading this church. There's so many people here who are just sick and tired of religious plasticity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just tired of it. And count me in on that. And and uh, I don't want to contribute. It's a fear of mine. I I probably, it's. I think sometimes I'm guilty of TMI. Because I just cannot bear um, the stench of religious. Well, what Paul told Timothy, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Hmm. You know, when he was talking about Janus and Jambres, the characters in the Old Testament who, who, you know, destroyed from within. And uh, that's the spirit of fallen that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, Chucksters, uh, the role that Austin played was Fallen, and that's we right. now call him Jimmy Fallen. Jimmy Fallen. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, it, it rocks me. I, I, uh, Why do you think religion has such, a, has, has such a hold on people? What is it? It's the Imago Deus. It's the image of God. It's the, it's the, it's the power that I am accountable. It's taking that which is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, and distorting it. And heresy is always truth taken to an extreme without balance. And so it's taking the truth of, yeah, your hand is, your life is in the hands of God, and then using that threat, right, to -hmm. control people. And uh, I think what enters into it with clergy is there are a zillion you know i've never known you've heard you know we've talked about this i've never known anyone in ministry who went into it for purely Mm -hmm. righteous reasons that all of us go into it we don't even know all the reasons why we're being called Mm -hmm. but the reality is as we grow we learn that god used our character defects to get us into this Mm -hmm. not our virtue so for me I learned early on that I'm worthy when I'm saving people. Ministry fit that really well. 
And I, I think there are not only the it's the threat of the fear of the Lord, but I think on the clergy side of it, it's a desire to atone, right? The desire. Well, that's why I think of how you know the, all those terrible uh, nights in prison, all those uh, long ship rides, cold ship rides across the Mediterranean that Paul went through. You often want. I mean, he had this, he has such a, a fatigue about him. So often he uh, has, he's so he's he has a hopelessness throughout, and at times and we well, despaired and, even of life. He said, mm-hmm. "You know, there were times he was so low." And I think, you know, we like to think of him in his full veneration that he, well, you know, he. Saw Jesus on Damascus, so he just that just powered him through, right? Yeah. And, and I think there, there's, there's probably in the, in the more human side, and that's why I always, I'd, r- I'd rather have a bracelet, I think, in in no blasphemous way that said WWPD. Mm-hmm. That might be more easier to em- to emulate than WWJD. It might be more sp- poignant sometimes in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that his his need to self atone for the the wrong he did against the truth he now knows. And that that was maybe some driving force to get him through even when he was, when, 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 um, when he felt far away from, from God, when he felt, yeah. when he felt so lonely, when he felt like there was no hope, when he felt, you know, cause uh, you know, the, the, the thing we miss most with Paul's letters, I think is he didn't know he was, he was just writing to his friends, right? He was just writing to his community. He wasn't, he didn't say, he oh, this is, this, this is Colossians. This will be four chapters, and yeah. they'll read this 2,000 years from now. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't. He was just trying to, you know, he didn't, there was no Christian social media that he was keeping tabs. Okay, the, the church is growing, you know, there's, you know, 300 rounded more to that day. And, um, you know, he so he, he was, there was no hope for Paul. So I think maybe there is some, there was something very religious in his, uh, in his Jewish, frame framework that uh, he was trying to just prove himself there, right there's no doubt and by all the people he had hurt yeah I, I, there's no doubt I mean I, I don't think there's any doubt and that's why the forgiveness of sins is so prominent in his writings to the extent that we reduce the gospel to Paul's writings that's mm-hmm. why I said this weekend again I don't think you heard it yet but the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. The gospel starts at the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. You're free from that. Now, now we move on to redemption and reconciliation. And but Paul's writings are so pronounced with the forgiveness of sins. Which, if you've been a murderer, a blasphemer, a violent man, mm-hmm. yeah. What's the, what's the verb? I don't know. I don't remember the name for it. Uh, I think I'm on my Greek app on my phone. Uh, they have some great Greek. But apps you out are there. putting me on the spot here now. <laughs> but the the word and we uh, might AP. Hey, we might edit this out for the Chucksters. <laughs> well, uh, well, the, what's in uh, is it uh, Acts seven eight? Uh, what yeah, when Saul? Oh, not he's not he's not even going chapter. He's going no, chapter and verse. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's uh, chapter seven or eight. Oh, oh um, okay, okay. When Paul's persecuting the church, Saul's persecuting the church. Um, the verb used there, though, is the verb that would be used of, of, of a wild beast tearing apart its prey, mm. ravaged the wow. church, wow. Um, tore apart by flesh. Oh. That was that's the verb used for what Saul did to the, the oh. men, women, and children. And uh, so, I mean, that 
that that's that sticks with you. I mean, we it we does. all know how it, even when we come under grace and 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 move away from just uh, getting it right, thinking it right, but we 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 feel forgiven and, and we believe we're forgiven. It's not forgetting, and we still um, still have some scar tissue. And I, yeah. I imagine he had some incredible scar tissue. He did, I, you know. I think I think uh, when I'm in reading his, his stoning of Stephen, you know how he just this central figure pops up out of the out of nowhere there. I think him him like I I always see that as that's his first execution he witnesses, and it so scars him that he tries to then in, in the ensuing whatever it was months years his ravaging of of the Christians, he was trying to prove that that was right to do that. And he just never could, no matter how much more he killed, no matter how much more yeah, he, which, yeah. he, he, yeah, that, he tried to keep proving. the nature of sin, yeah. Mm-hmm, that it was, you no, know, this was, ju- I'm justified by doing this mm-hmm. by God until uh, he had a stark intervention. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's, that's why, again, I go back to, we used this last week in First Timothy 1 when he says, but God, as an example of his unlimited patience, called me into ministry. Gosh, you know, he says, mm-hmm. there's a reason why I was called. He was perfect in terms of his background as a Roman citizen and a Jewish man. So he mm-hmm. was perfect to go into the Gentile world. But as an example of his unlimited patience, he was perfect because how do you trump you killed Christians, right? On your resume. As as an example of someone who can be used. Okay, Oh, you say, oh, no, God could never use me because I've done, you know, I, I dropped a puppy, puppy in a pond or a stream. No, nope, I think bad as that is. A friend and I, I were, were talking about a, uh, goes to Southbrook, about an idea for a television show that would that would be interesting uh, to write about a former ISIS um, member who uh, beheaded and raped Christians and... Uh, then converted and to be an allegory for Paul Ooh, and then and then family members that he beheaded and raped started noticing hey wait we know you and yeah. now he's and that and that and that gives oh. into detail what might you know the zealot write Paul that. would uh, would have been don't think there would be many uh, um, buyers out there for that <laughs> for that yeah, one <laughs> I know Especially and, you know, the, and, and you know, anything but, you do uh, with that like Salman Rushdie you know you gotta be careful because yeah. ISIS they put that, a contract that is, that is put in, put in, put in oh, that's, context that is, of what you know, it I mentioned a few weeks ago I mean he, he was a terrorist mm-hmm. okay he was a terrorist that's what he was and that's a that's a perfect analogy mm-hmm. and you know even uh, the we go back now to the story that launched this you, you know you you come if the church would just come. This is a challenge to all of us, and come in repentance and say, "We are flawed. We are. We have sinned and fallen short. Mm-hmm. That there would be grace and restoration and redemption." Mm-hmm. But it seems like the church just keeps piling on the whiteout, mm-hmm. right? It just keeps putting the paint. You know over the stain on the wall and mm-hmm. it just keeps coming through and and I and I I just can't emphasize enough you know in recovery the the statement we're only as sick as our secrets it's so true mm-hmm. 
That's why a lot of us know, you know, I mentioned First John 1, 9, a lot of people know that, but they forget that if we walk in that light, it's like we bring all of our stuff into the light, church, mm-hmm. people, we have fellowship with one another. I always use the example when, when you know, after a round of golf, you're with your golf trip with your friends, and, and if there's somebody who's just bragging about what a great round they have, it doesn't really elicit community. But when people start going, Man, can you believe how tough 16 was? The wind was left to right, all that water over there, I hit it in the water. Yeah, I hit it in the water too. Yeah, I hit it in the water too. Mm-hmm. I took a six on that all. I took a seven. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's all of a sudden, I've always noticed this, this dynamic of community around we're all we all we all hit it out yeah. of bounds, yeah. right? It's not. Well, I don't know. You know, the guy who's sitting there going, ah, I don't know. You know, I didn't have any trouble with sixteen. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I birdied it. It, it, it. It's fine, but it doesn't elicit community. And there's just this great, great potential within the church that causes me, when you were reading that, to be nauseous because it is so far from what the church can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be a place where there's no image management and there's... As Paul starts his letter in Galatians, that autobiography of, of going into who he was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should, you, I, I don't know if you heard, if, if I heard you right, I mean, but I was, I was thinking this week about, um, about what you used in your message. I'll listen to it today, but uh, uh, Fleming was going to speak on, on Romans 7 in a few weeks. He mm-hmm. used that. And I was, I was, I'm sitting in karate, thinking I'm not. I don't do karate. My son does. Ha, you, I, you, <laughs> man, you are you are a runner. I, you're yeah. a tennis um, nut. No, I'm, so, I'm sitting in, in karate, the, the chairs, and I'm sitting there thinking about our conversation about that, and and uh, she's going to use Romans seven, and so I'm thinking about Romans seven, and and there's and there's and that's that's a great, especially the last part of Romans seven. I know that nothing good lives in me, um, that is in my sinful nature, but you know, what I want to do, I do not do. And, and it gets into all that. And that, that, that ends at such a pull, you know, like you can't. And so I, you know, I text him. Thanks I was, be I, to God. I, yeah. I, I, so I text him. I said, I don't, you know, I think you might want to consider eight, one, five, and then yeah. six and on and the present sufferings, because you, you just, to just go out there on, on seven, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's N.T. Wright thinks. That's like know. showing the x-ray of the, because seven doesn't make sense if you don't put an eight. No, Therefore, there's no, no shame or no, condemnation no. in Christ. So, so yeah, the, the uh, you know, Paul puts he continues to put it out there in, in, in seven, but he but he follows it up with something good. He doesn't just leave it at uh, you know uh, leave the golf trip at uh, on reminiscing on sixteen. And, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, right. He, he that's brings right. it up to seven. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. It's, a, it's an interesting way to look at it for those. That's a really wanna, good point because it's not like us sitting around going, "Yeah, I'm bad too. Let's just keep mm-hmm. on being bad." You know, it makes sense. Renty Wright thinks that it should have been Roman first Romans one through eight, second Romans nine through sixteen, because they're just they're, mm-hmm. they seem like he he can he begins a thought like your nature of God is written on your heart, so it's law, and then he he then he self justifies that with how he's what he's saying in seven and he gives a he gives the remedy the antidote mm-hmm. in eight and then he kind of moves on in mm-hmm. nine to sixteen but I've always used the ex- outline uh you know one to seven our ruination from sin and and chapter eight to eleven is our redemption from sin and then our responsibility with redemption is chapters twelve to sixteen how how then shall we live and he doesn't say, oh, you're sinners, just go ahead and keep on sinning. God will grade on the curve and you don't need to worry. He says, no, now let's offer our bodies. 
as a living, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that we offer ourselves now and say, I'm free from my sin now to live and to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, then he goes into the rest of the, how as a Roman citizen do you live in, in this culture as a redeemed person? Uh, you know, I, I tell you, I, of all the things, you, you, when you were reading that story from the New York Times, I have all the things, you know, that is underestimated about the power of sin is how discouraging it is. It can be really discouraging. You know, you feel mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. Um, and like I said this weekend, we, we often say you can't understand grace until you understand how bad sin is. But this is also true. You can't understand how bad sin is until you see what it really takes away, how good life can be mm-hmm. when it's not controlling your life. And AA doesn't say, hey, come here and do these 12 steps, but don't expect it to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Don't expect it to be free of your addiction. I mean, we're, we're just going to help you manage this. No, it's... It, it, it works. It. It's exactly, and the gospel is not. Hey, hey, just come to this, and you know we're all bad, and we're all going to keep hitting it out of bounds. But we'll help you manage it. Mm-hmm. It's it's no. You can be free. Romans six one. You don't have to live in sin any longer. It doesn't mean you're perfect. As I said this weekend, it doesn't mean you're sinless. But it. But you can sin less and less and less, mm-hmm. and there's a growth that happens and. Um, and it's not you. It's that's the cool thing. It's not your virtue. I hope that would encourage people to to maybe look at Paul a little bit more this week, or uh, pick out some something uh, from from Paul and read it. And as as Eugene Peterson would say, livable scripture. That there's um, as an example, like there's there's uh, four hundred four verses in the Book of Revelation, four five hundred eighteen um, allusions to scripture that John of Patmos uses that. That are not quoted scripture, but he's hmm. he's just he just speaks out scripture, yeah. and he's not quoting it. He doesn't reference anything. They're just yeah. allusions to scripture, and, it's, and he just lives out these these words that he's that he's uh, ingrained in his life. And so, hope uh, our sharing of Paul and um, would uh, maybe you read some more Paul. Yeah, yeah. Go go get, grab a copy of the Message Bible and mm-hmm. read Romans, read Galatians, read First Timothy, and see what that does for your journey. Mm-hmm. Until next time. This is the Chucks to the Chucksters and the Chuckettes. Mm-hmm.